We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and your home, or your Vandal affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network, and your home of the uh, podcast responsible for 68-0 drubbing of the Simon Fraser, uh, Terry McFogg dogs of uh, Surrey, BC, Canada. Joining with me today, we have Alex the boat Boatman. How the heck are you, Alex? You know, I got a fantasy draft going on right here, so if I'm, like, looking down, looking weird, um, that's where I'm at. Plus, you know, during our opening, Chris, I just always look back at the old videos of us during quarantine, and my hair was so bad. Man, I look terrible. Yeah, so, we won't uh, say anything to you. But yeah, yes, so now I'm, 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 doing, I'm doing good, I guess. So, like, I have hair, and it looks better, so. Yeah, well, I you know they purposely moved to Dallas. <laughs> For those listening, Dallas just showed his lovely uh, head of locks, um, bald spots. Uh, Bowman, you know they moved the football like they got rid of that fourth week of preseason so that everyone could get their fantasy drafts in. Other than like the five days before the season, started, you know, I'm the commissioner days. of two leagues. Okay, this is the one league I'm not the commissioner in. You can. It's not my fault. All right. I run I run a tight ship. All right. Um I'm I I apologize to Mike Zetti, my my girlfriend's father, for calling him out right there since he's the commissioner of this league. <laughs> the procrastination league draft is on. Yeah. Speaking of not procrastinating, we have the producer running the show from the da- from the shadows. Producer Dammer, how the heck are you today? I am fantastic, guys. I just got back in from Seattle. I went to the Hella Mega Tour with Green Day Fallout Boy and Weezer. Uh, got back to Spokane at about 4.30 in the morning last night. Slept about two hours before the cat woke me up. Took a couple small naps today, and we're just really trying to power through here. Yeah, and just joining us, for those of you watching and those of you listening, you get to be joined by the professor, Brian Marceau, from Office Hours in Coeur d'Alene. How that are you, Brian? Dude, doing fantastic. Uh, w- school just started where I teach, so today is pretty wild. Uh, this is like the single first instant I could have hopped on. I was terrified I was going to get on to like seven, but here we are. So we're doing fantastic. Perfect. And just in time. All you missed was us comparing our bald spots. So you didn't miss much. I heard Dallas <laughs> describing what sounded like agony when it should have been a good time, which sounded part of the course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to spend some nice time up in Sandpoint, Idaho this weekend. I guess I didn't say what I did this weekend. Beautiful. Beautiful. Although I think now the cat's out of the bag. Everybody saw that I was in Moscow, you know, for uh, the seat selection that they did on Thursday and Friday. And then everybody was super shocked to find out I did not stay for the game. I believe Mark, the owner of the corner club, and Billy, uh, like the head bartender of the corner club, both were like, isn't that kind of like sacrilegious? It's like, oh, I think I'll get away with it. Didn't get away with it. Everybody knows it now. But uh, I had a blast nonetheless. And uh, I just don't support us playing D2 teams. So you want me to stay Labor Day weekend and not go to Schweitzer and enjoy beer and a beautiful mountain and music played by our new extra Colby Acuff? You got to schedule a a banger for me on uh, Labor Day. Plus, it's Wave at Dave weekend. We should just not have home games Labor Day. That's just a poor decision. Would Uh, Central Washington have been a banger? 
Of course, good old hey. heated heated regional rival Central Washington. Remember, remember. Uh, I mean, this is a Rob Spear uh, theory of why we always used to play games on Thursdays to open the season because he hated Labor Day games. Yeah. So when I'd hope play that stretch of home Thursday games, Rob Spear hated Labor Day too. weekend games. So yeah. that's Bowling Green, so, 2011. Yeah, even Ohio in uh, 20, 2015. 15? Yeah. 15. Yeah. So, yeah. So there we are. Anyways. So Chris, what yes. would you talk Sorry, I, I just want to filibuster the intro, man. What are, I want your top three D two uh, Thursday games you'd uh, clear out your schedule for. Oh, I'm kidding. I couldn't give you three three D two games. Eastern uh, Washington, well, I two. <laughs> Eastern Washington in five years. Uh, Eastern Washington in six years. And Eastern Washington in seven years. All right, this is yeah. this is an easy easy question. This is an easy D three though. Oh. <laughs> NAIA, let's go. Call call it the commerce of Cheney or whatever they use. What did the what did the Eags deserve this for? I don't know. We have some some Eags listeners. I feel like we have to be nice to them somewhat. Hey, and hey, they deserve it. Big win, big win for the Eags this weekend. So let's get into it. Around the bar, brought to you by Hughes River Expeditions. I'm gonna pull the first freaking tap because I read it when Dallas prepped the outline. I was like, love it. Big Sky is back, baby. The return of dominance, but stealing it from Montana. It's the Big Skies now. Thank you, Montana's marketing department. Uh, Brian, Marceau, other than the Idaho, uh, I guess actually, it's too late. I already rolled with it. So, Will Boatman and I will talk Idaho. From Brian Marceau, what was one of your big takeaways from the Big Sky this big week one and this big fall season? A lot of big news happening, Chris. Well, we've got uh, a well, big game against Penix coming up. Yeah. So, what what did I take? What was the takeaway? Um, now, for, first, it wasn't a rest versus rust thing because some of the best showings came from Montana beat. For, for listeners who didn't see it, Montana beat top twenty University of Washington in Seattle. You Eastern Washington beat not top twenty UNLV in Las Vegas. Uh, UC Davis beat Tulsa in Tulsa. Montana State easily could have finished with a win at Wyoming. I think they ended up losing by what was it? Flashback. Alex? What, what, Alex, what was it? Yeah, sorry, Chris got it. Three. Yeah. Big Sky picked right up there. three FBS wins, could easily picked up four. And uh, in addition to two non-conference wins, Sac State uh, beats Dixie State and Cal Poly beat San Diego. My takeaway was Jesus, this con- the conference is loaded. At the top, uh, we 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 seriously have six or seven teams that are going to be pretty tough week in and week out. Montana, Montana, held, the big the big thing though, man. If you were like me and you thought Montana was back, what you were pointing to is not Cam Humphreys. You were pointing to improvements across the board everywhere, but quarterback. And good lord, did Montana show that they are ready to play? Um, made UW's quarterback, who I mean, he might just be terrible, but they made him look real bad. Uh, throughout that game. So I'm just hoping this means that uh, the Missouri Valley Conference isn't going to have that same space between the Big Sky. It usually does because, good Lord, did my, a lot of Big Sky teams look great this week. Montana, uh, of course, at the apex. Yeah, I think if you put a 10, if you had watched this show last week and had the utmost confidence in me and one of my games, not the rest, one of my games, uh, I think you would have 
darn near bet a condom and been able to buy a small country somewhere like or like an island country off of a coast somewhere because uh, the spread in that game was what thirty two and a half or something ridiculous. Uh, and was a lot. It, it was a lot. I think it was plus ten eighty. So uh, big money to have been made for anyone that was bold enough to take the money line. I did not. I took the spread and walked away with a cool ten dollar bet with nine dollar eighty cent winnings. For something I acted very confident in on the show, oh, uh, producer Dammer, uh, just because we're going to talk Simon Fraser a bit, Boatman and I. Uh, who else did you see from the Big Sky that was big this week? I think the the just the takeaway is just the conference going three and three against the FBS. That's insane. And if if Portland State wouldn't have let Hawaii upset them, you know, notorious top five Big Sky program. Uh, we could have gone four and two if Portland State would have acted the way they should. Montana have. So, State too, like we almost yeah, went Montana five and State one. Had a huge, like you said, they they had a huge lead. I mean, it was a huge lead because it was a what ten to nine game. Hey, but, for yeah. Montana State, for one Montana point, State, it's a big lead. Big lead, <laughs> exactly. So I think that's the the big takeaway is the top of this conference is picking off FBS schools. And while mm-hmm. yeah, the Montana Washington thing is probably a once in a lifetime kind of thing. It's not probably going to happen if they played another 99 games. UW probably wins most of them, but that's huge. It, it's yeah. it makes me feel better about Idaho going back to the Big Sky when you see the top teams in the Big Sky picking off FBS schools and mm-hmm. looking pretty good doing it. Yeah, I, I guess before we like before we like someone else moves on here. Um, I saw a stat. I think I sent it to you guys from Dennis Dennis Dodd from CBS. That the Big Sky and ACC both had three wins in out of conference play versus FBS teams. Yeah, the ACC big. and the Big Sky three wins in out of conference play versus FBS teams. So yeah. one's a Power Five and one is the best conference in their division. Hey, ACC. one 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 team in Washington's the only team in that entire state with an FBS win this season, and that's Eastern Washington. And there's one point we do. I got hit really quick. Sorry about the double dip, Chris. Dip it double. So usually when an F like FCS team, at least a big sky FCS team beats an FBS team, it's because they scored a ton against an awful defense. But we had three big sky teams that in terms of physicality had no problem matching up against FBS teams. Montana held UW to seven. Um, Mon- Montana State, you know, Alex already brought this up, low scoring game, but Montana State easily could have won that game. And then uh, UC Davis won against Tulsa. It was 19 to 17. This was not touchdown after touchdown, and we just ended up on the right end. This is three of those wins were big sky schools being physically imposing against FBS teams. And that is, you know, to some fans, that might be unheard of. But if you're thinking, like, hey, uh, if you're curious about what does this mean against Idaho, what does this mean for playoffs? I wouldn't write some of these off as flukes. Like, if you can, if you can handle the FBS teams physically, I think there, there's there's maybe some fire where that smoke coming from. Yeah, I I mean it kind of goes once again not to toot our show's horn too much, but we are the show of record for the Big Sky Big Takes show, um, which means we're right the most. Uh, you look at this. We had Coulter Nuanis on the preview of the Big Sky season, and he himself was the first person to say this is maybe no longer a quarterback driven league. This is maybe a defense first league. Kind of saw it this weekend. I mean, obviously Eastern Washington puts that a little to bed, but they still played strong defense against UNLV. Their front, their defensive line looked the best they've looked probably since the national championship year. And Eric Barrier did look good, did perform, but not his best performance. 
performance, two picks, and a couple. Obviously, still the best player on the field. That's doing not nothing down like that. But like Eastern's defense came to play too. Like Eastern's defense did not let UNLV do anything. So like maybe the Big Sky is a defense first league. Maybe Colton Nuanis on our previous show was right. Yeah, that was twenty twenty. Uh, Eastern, Eastern okay. UNLV was twenty twenty at the end of regulation with Eastern missing three field goals. So that's three Big Sky teams mm. holding FBS teams to pretty low scoring. Because we we talked about Idaho not scoring enough at twenty three. 20 was like the worst offense defensive showing for the big sky teams. Yeah. And Eastern Washington's kicker, Seth Harrison had more missed field goals in this game than he had in his entire career at Eastern Washington. I believe he's and a senior. Most importantly, this game was featured on bad beats from Scott Van Pelt last night because the over hit when the total was like 66 and it ended like 68. So that's the most important thing here. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Uh, Boatman, I think they yeah. covered the big sky pretty well. Let, let's cover yeah. our little quick takes on Simon Fraser. You can go first, and then I'll go. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, I think it was super impressive. I don't care who you're playing. I don't care if you're playing Little Sisters of the Poor or, you know, uh, Bishop Sycamore. Um, holding a team to five yards of offense in the first half is impressive, no matter no matter who you are. Um, it's almost as cool as holding a team to negative 21 points in the second half. Or, sorry, yards, a.k.a. Nightmare down in Orlando. <sighs> Anyway, <laughs> uh, Chris, you, you read my heart too well. Anyway, um, you know, holding the team to five yards of offense in the first half. Um, yeah, that was good to see. And, and I think one of the keys I had hit on from us um, that I wanted us to see was no, not a lot of MAs, consistent play. We showed that. Anytime you hold a team to zero points, there's not a lot of missed assignments, right? None that were so big they exploited for a touchdown. So that's good. We went in there. We did our job. We took care of business. Our biggest mistakes were, you know, Two fumbles, which cost us points. Um, you know, things things to clean up. We lost the turnover battle uh, and still scored 68 points, and they scored none. So, um, you know, if we clean up little mistakes like that here and there, yeah, I think overall, you know, it's about as much as we can want out of it. I think actually went as good as you could want um, if you're an Idaho fan heading into these next two weeks. Yeah, for me, this is just a great – palate cleanser. I mean, I kind of got on the review show, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Uh, yeah, we had our mistakes. Like, yeah, but you, I mean, you look at this. It looked like we took our foot off the gas a little bit there in the second half. Rightfully so when you're beating a team this bad. But um, at the end of the day, like, it's been a long time since Idaho has put up, you know, something above 50 on the scoreboard, right? Like, this just felt good. Yes, it was Simon Frazier. No, nobody should be taking too much away from this game, especially like, they probably shouldn't be taking too much away from this next game and the game after that. But, like, it's a good palate cleanser. And I, we went over this in the pregame show, and I wish I could have, like, waited to go over it with you guys because it is some impressive stats. I think, Boatman, you might have missed it, actually. And, Brian, you were not here. But Dallas has it here. Um, this was Idaho's second largest margin of victory. Boatman knows who it's against. Brian, do you know who it's against and what the largest victory Idaho has ever had? Because this last game was the second. We just had put up our second largest margin of victory ever. I have absolutely no idea. Like, I could waste everyone's time picking teams, but I it was no the idea. It was the mighty powerhouse in Caldwell, Idaho, the College of Idaho Yotes, in the beautiful year of 1927, when we won 83-0. to But I Hey, if you forget, 1927, we won the Pac-12. All right, so... Great year for the Vandals. Again. And when, when Alex means forget, he means, okay, if Remember. you didn't know this. <laughs> uh, so and then one of the other things, you know, my big takeaway from the game was I really want to see some of the young people get in. You got to see it. Soli Shannon looked good. 
Hogan Hatton looked good. Uh, you guys see a lot of rotation on the line. We had that uh, Malachi Williams. I saw him getting a lot of reps on the end, and that's where I was saying, like, who's going to be these next batch of guys? And even that, a guy we keep saying, Brian, when we were at Media Days, uh, Petrino keeps saying, like, he thought Noah Ellis was going to be the guy and the big sky newcomer of the year. And he's kind of just – he's been solid but a role player, you know? And then he ends up leading the team with eight total tackles. Um, absolutely amazing. 27 different Vandals recorded a tackle in this game. So you want to talk about getting depth and reps and getting some people some game and live reps. And I know sometimes that can be bad, but when you shut a team out and you got 27 ta- 27 different players with tackles, I mean, yeah, we're scrolling through it for those of you live on YouTube. Uh, it's a long list, and that's like warms our heart to see that like these guys are getting in and maybe some of the future generation of Vandals got some playing time here and, you know, quote-unquote meaningful minutes against Simon Frazier. But um, all in all, that's my takeaway from Simon Frazier. Can't take too much away from it other than we really got to utilize some depth, which should be good. And then, obviously, there's some other things which tie into Indiana, which we should probably cover now. But, Mr. Marceau, I'll give you the first pull of the tap. Oh, man, I I so want to pull a different one. But – we're if we're gonna talk talk this week, then I you know I guess I'm curious what people's goals are for the Indiana game because um, I'm pretty sure spoiler alert guys uh, listeners Indiana's gonna beat the hell out of us um, but this is still a game I'm gonna tune into we're all gonna tune into and react to um, I Alex you you also pay attention to things like the spread in a way a lot of people uh, don't so. It's a 32-and-a-half point spread, right? Yeah, Vegas set it at 32-and-a-half today is what, I, what I'd seen. You know, I mean, the change between there and here. Um, also, different bo- books might give it out, but I saw one book, 32-and-a-half. Okay, so, Alex, what should we hope to take away from play, playing a team that's a 32-and-a-half point favorite on the road? You know, um, also a team that was number 17 in the country last week, and now they are 33rd in the new AP poll today. Um, they didn't look great. I'm not going to... I'm not going to say we're going to go in there and beat them, but they look terrible against Iowa. I think this Indiana team had a lot of expectations for them coming into this year. Um, you know, I follow some national college football stuff pretty well just to kind of, you know, survey everything. And um, Indiana fans have been clamoring all year that, you know, they've arrived, they're finally here. And I think you might see Indiana take a step back this year. Um, they might, six and six might be realistic for them this year, not the, you know, nine or 10 win season they're hoping for. We're probably one of those wins, um, but I don't think this is going to be um, like playing Penn State a couple years ago, right? That's not—it's not that level of game. Um, it's not playing, you know, Florida even in 2018, right? I think this team is definitely a step below that in terms of the national scale, right? This is a Big Ten team that is probably an average Big Ten team. Um, they're going to do things well. They're a little more explosive on offense than what you would expect out of normal Big Ten football. The Big Ten East is like that. The Big Ten West, a little more ground it, pound it kind of style. You see Wisconsin and Minnesota do. But expect Indiana to get out there and throw the ball around. They're going to use us to prepare for the rest of their year. They're in a bad spot after week one. They lost a conference game already. So they're going to need a, they're going to need to use our game um, to get them going right. They ha- They host number seven Cincinnati next week. Okay, that Cincinnati has a, that's a massive game for Cincinnati. It's also a massive game for Indiana. Anytime you host a top ten team, um, it's not it's 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 a big deal. But you know, to be held to two field goals um, in Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City isn't great. And while simultaneously giving up thirty four to an Iowa team, which is not known for scoring points, isn't great. So 
I would love to see Idaho go out there and compete. Um, but you know, time will tell, but I don't think it's going to be Penn state of a couple years ago. Maybe, maybe think more of Auburn 2015, um, between that and like a Penn state drubbing, right? 30, 40 point loss, not a 60, 70 point loss. Yeah. My, my take on this is Michael Penix, the quarterback for Indiana just had an all time, terrible game. I mean, three interceptions, I believe a fumble as well. This one just got out of hand early and then they just, you can tell Indiana's just not that team yet. They're like, they had to be in it. They're not a, uh, team that was going to they're not a UCF right that was going to take a 21 point deficit and be able to stay calm and make that slow steady methodical pushback knowing like as Pete Carroll says can you win a game in the first quarter no uh as Boise State found out as well um it takes all three quarters and you can win one that sure as hell can win one in the fourth quarter Indiana doesn't have that mentality right now they got behind their star quarterback started pushing it and they fell apart and he their team runs with him uh, and it really, really looks like a revenge game is coming for us in Indiana. Now, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here uh, just to give us a little bit point of view. It's not necessarily how I feel, but, like, if you're looking glass half full, you know, the out, the pause, optimistic outlook here. Um, we had a game like this where I think you'll get into catching how the rest of this tone of the episode is going to go. When Eastern Washington in 2019 lost a tough road game where they blew a lead against Jacksonville State down in Alabama. And then everybody was saying, oh, I think that's actually bad for us. We might have been able to sneak up on them had they beat JSU. And, you know, we would have caught them in the middle and, you know, all that stuff. And then they come to the Kibbe Dome and we, have, we what, run up 35 in the first half or whatever. And then barely sneak out as time just ran out on Eastern. But either way, we we pulled out that win in a game that we thought this team is going to come in so pissed off and focused by what happened to them last week. So maybe Iowa does, like like uh, Boatman said, maybe Indiana is focused on Cincinnati and kind of like going to overlook Idaho. Um, and we actually don't get that revenge factor because I know there's some people out there that go, after what happened to them last week, they're trying to get into the national spotlight and still maybe – make a bid to be able to make like a Rose bowl here. They're going to want to flip the Simon Fraser score on us and be up 68 zip. So uh, I'm not sure it will happen. I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more, but I, I guess that that's what I would say is like, we're going to have to overcome the revenge factor. And then Indiana kind of showed in this game that maybe they don't have the, uh, the mental wherewithal at the moment to be a team that can come from behind. So maybe it's going to be important to get out to an early lead. Brian. So I'm actually going to jump in before oh, Brian because yeah, he's muted. So I'm going to jump in just to kind of keep the rotation of Brian Boat, Chris Dallas here, uh, kind of alphabetical. Um, the goal to me is to figure out the quarterback situation a little bit more and not to get into that discussion because I think Boat's going to end up pulling that tap here in just a minute. Um, figure that out, get a little bit more clarity, hopefully get all three of the guys a little bit of playing time. But – the, the goal here to me is just don't get injured. Try to get as many guys out of here, get paid, and move on. Um, because, Chris, you, you hit it on the head. Penix stiffened up, and uh, I can't say Penix. I, I know that's how it's pronounced. I just can't do it. It's just impossible for me. That's the um, tromboner pronunciation. Pristine it, bitches. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so Penix stiffened up and didn't really know what to do. And obviously, I mean, you can see a stat line there. Under 50% passing, three picks. Their offense was terrible against Iowa. They're 
they're probably looking ahead to we were talking about it pregame Cincinnati still in the you know, top 10 Cincinnati is their next team they're probably going to look forward a little bit but they also need to have a get right game and that's what I'm expecting because like Chris you you hit every single point there they don't have a team that's going to come back or make explosions in the fourth quarter they have to get out early they have to just dominate from start to finish because it's it's big 10 football most of the time those games are 10 to 8 and whoever scores first really ends up winning so they're going to come out firing i think and i just hope we get out of there with most of the guys intact and first if dallas is going to talk about phoenixes with explosions obviously this gets <laughs> this gets an nsfw uh right off the bat we, we have but, an over under of nine on phoenix references yeah. and i think we're already at seven so um, bracketing quarterback session for later. This is in the same way that Simon Frazier was a chance for Idaho to try to build the momentum it can by beating the hell out of Simon Frazier. So no one could leave there upset about, okay, well, we got bad showing in A, B, or C. Idaho needs to be respectable. I know that Alex referenced Penn State as an ugly one. I'm going to tell you a different ugly game that I think we, I, we really need to avoid. 2018 Fresno State, 79 to 13. Uh, we absolutely need this game to feel more like Wyoming from 2019, where we don't have to, it doesn't have to be a type of game that maybe Idaho can win, but in terms of building, yes, in terms of building enthusiasm for the program, if Idaho can look respectable, if our quarterbacks can move the ball some, even if it's a multi-score game, as long as there are those moments that fans can take away from this and say, okay, well, sure, we're not going to beat Indiana, but we just looked okay against Indiana. This gives me reason to believe in the upcoming Big Sky season. This makes, gives me reason to want to make sure I go to homecoming. That's what I want. That's what Idaho needs to take away out of this game. Obviously, the injuries matter, but uh, we just have to look respectable. We just saw a ton of Big Sky teams look more than respectable against FBS teams. Idaho just needs to be solid to get a good headline out of this. Yeah, I. I just want to kind of double down right there on your point that you said at the end, like Mon- the Montana state game in a normal year would have been kind of that headline, right? Like Montana state barely loses to a Wyoming. It gets overshadowed by everything else that happened. Eastern UC Davis, Montana, obviously we probably aren't going to have any of those to deal with this week. I think Idaho state has Nevada, but it's like, if we can be that respectable game, like maybe be within 10, like, Maybe, like, have that be our shock. Like, holy crap, like, we were in it, right? Even if it's, like, scoring a couple late, like, that could be the big headline going into week three of Big Sky play. It's like, well, Idaho just beat Simon Frazier 68-0, and, the, you know, they really hung respectable against Indiana. Like, that's kind of the headline we need to be going into that's trying to make is, like, a almost where Big Sky teams are still kind of like, we kind of did it with the Simon Frazier thing, not really, because people are like, Okay, we expected Idaho to win, maybe not 68-0. But, like, if you go Indiana, like, okay, we expected Indiana to beat Idaho, but maybe not by 10 or 14. Like, um, I think you got to shoot for that where people are kind of like, oh, you know what? Like, if there's that big sky dark horse, Idaho's maybe looking different than we expected. But I think you're right. you got to strive for that positive headline. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm pulling next tap. Um I want to get to the quarterback situation. So, you know, we've heard, we've heard, yeah, well, I think, you know, both guys, uh, you know, both guys looked great. Um, in my opinion, you know, CJ looked explosive. Mike made some good, some good throws. Um, 
you know, he, he ran the ball well, made some good decisions. So um, I thought it was interesting, right? Some people are going, why did I keep running the score up against Simon Frazier, blah, 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 blah. Well, because he's trying to get as many looks as he's trying to get as many looks for each of these guys possible, right? This is a competition. It's a three week competition. So that's where I'm kind of going with this. We saw him go CJ quarter one and quarter three, Beaudry quarter two, quarter four. Let's just say, like, this is a hypothetical. Let's say Idaho, for some reason, um, we're in a good spot, you know, with one of these guys. It's after the first quarter. Maybe Beaudry starts quarter one this time or, or CJ. Quarter one, we're in a good spot competitive wise. Does he, when I ask all you guys, does he, do you think he sticks to the whole quarterback rotation? Or if we are in a good spot in this game, does he just ride the hot hand and go, maybe it's over right here? I'm, I don't know. And I don't know, I don't know what the right answer is. Um, but even if it's not competitive, like let's just say one guy's clicking along and definitely having his day, you know, does he pull him out or does he ride the hot hand? Uh, I believe I'm up first here. So uh this one's tough. Oregon State lost to Purdue. Purdue should be a worse team than Indiana. I would rather he used this game to also solidify the quarterback competition, maybe give Beaudry the first and third quarters this time, give CJ second and fourth, and just use this to figure out. Because if we are going to get a surprise FBS game, it's more likely to happen against Oregon State. I would rather him try to flush out, like, this is guy, let's see how he does as, like, starter against Oregon State and use Indiana as more as that that other buffer, right? You went... Super easy game against Simon Frazier. Super tough game against Indiana. Like, kind of test them both out. Uh, at the end of the day, we only had 27 pass attempts to look at. So, it's like, at the end of the day, we really didn't get to see a lot of them. Uh, CJ Jordan looked great running the ball. Um, so did Zach Borish. Three guys. Boatman, three guys at quarterback. Uh, so, I, I, I'd like to see a little bit more of them flushing it out here. Because I don't want to jump too far ahead next week. Because it definitely depends on how we do this week. If we do have one of those respectable headline games, I mean, right now, I, I don't want to speak for everybody, probably not going to get a frisky pick of Idaho over Indiana in this this week's episode. If they look respectable against Indiana, somebody might, you know, pull the ice cubes and get a chance to be frisky against Oregon State. So I'd rather just use this time to solidify it. That being said, my, my initial opinions going into this right now, like uh, I was grouping that, in the group chat when I was rewatching last night, like, man, the things that CJ Jordan does, like he is by far the leader in the clubhouse right now, in my opinion, just the fact like you watch that, those touchdown run, the first one of Roshan Johnson, the first quarter, his ability to be a threat running the ball and all that. And just the way he sells a fake when he pulls that, you can actually watch Simon Frazier's D end or D tackle start watching CJ. Our lineman gets in front of him and opens that hole for Roshan, like those little things. And then on like, it wasn't a draw but almost acted like a draw where he handed it off. And then he took like a huge, like five-step drop, which kept the defensive end super wide, which allowed another hole for another big run. I think it was Cummings that time. Like CJ Jordan, I saw more of that, like the those little things. I do admit he got the more advantageous quarters to play in. First quarter when you're trying to get out to the lead. Third quarter coming in off of halftime, where then obviously Beaudry in the fourth quarter, it was basically just run the ball and get out of there and not be – too big a dick wagons to Simon Frazier. Uh, sorry, Penix wagons. So uh, I'd like to see us do it. And the one thing for crime and sake, I don't know how many times Zach Boris got in the game. 
it's not going to keep working if he never throws. Like, I was a little pissed, and I get there probably RPOs, and he made the right call because if he didn't, Paul would have lit him up on the sideline. Uh, but I would have liked to see, like, one pass attempt. Come on. If he's going to be a part of the competition, like, right now, he's just a wildcat. He's not a quarterback. He's the wildcat. If you're going to list him as running back quarterback, like, let him play a little quarterback because right now he is just a wildcat quarterback, and, you know, that – formation basically died in 2008 with the Miami Dolphins yeah I think I think Chris you hit on a lot of the things and and we spoke about this uh you myself and Brian spoke about this in the the post game to me CJ Jordan right now is the guy from what we saw on Saturday CJ Jordan is the guy I would like to see CJ get the first quarter and if it's still close Boatman said does Paul ride the hot hand if if this game is still close after the first quarter and the offense looks good. I say, do it. Let's. What's close? Let's Just curious. Shot. Like, if you're talking within, like ten points, or if it's within ten touchdowns? points, I say, if it's two touchdowns, you know what? D- let's not worry about. Depends it. how it looks. Yeah, it depends on how it looks. But realistically, if it's ten points or less, let's let's give CJ the second quarter. See how it goes. If that's not, if it's fourteen points or seventeen or, God forbid, twenty-one, go back to the plan, alternate them out, and just just let it ride. Um, but the the big thing to circle back with is hashtag let Boris throw this. This is not a three quarterback competition if you're not going to let the kid throw it. It. I was filled with rage Saturday and I'm still pissed off about it. I don't understand why we threw the ball 27 times, ran it 43. I know that we were just getting the fourth quarter, just trying to to get out of there. But when you're running the ball up the middle over and over and over and over against defensive linemen that are 230 pounds what are you really learning about your team and so that's what i want to see at least out of this this indiana game in that first quarter i want to see cj with the ones i want to see throw the ball a little bit more i want to see what it looks like against competition that is obviously better than idaho uh because i don't think we learned a lot about about the team with sfu and while yes cj looked great and Beaudry looked pretty good and borish obviously was electric I don't think we learned enough about any of those guys to definitively say it's over after one week, unless we're we're competing against Indiana. I want to co-sign what people have said um, about clubhouse leader CJ and about Zach. Uh, Zach Boris, the only clips we've really even seen him throwing when it's not 25 mile an hour wins were in the dome in, in our scrimmage, and his arm looked fine, uh, but we had, need to see that in action. The thing I want, I'm taking away from this right now is this will be our first shot to see CJ Jordan against a real football team. Um, Simon Frazier, he looked great. And what we took, the things we took away from the game were what we probably think are generalizable to being good in the future, as in strong arm. Accuracy is great. He's making the right, he's making right reads. He can move. Um, he also looked great against Southern Utah in the spring. And Southern Utah is competitive in the spring, but they won a game. Simon Frazier, of course, is, I don't know, they might score 21 against last year's Cal Poly, but you know, they just weren't good. This is going to be our first chance to see CJ against very good defense uh, against great athletes. And I'm curious how those generalizable things that we're, we were all excited about are going to look now when it's power five athletes. And he doesn't have to be dominant against power five athletes to be a good big sky quarterback, but he probably needs to look okay against the power five guys. If we're going to, if the things that we're seeing are generalizable, we're going to need to see some bright spots um, out of him against Indiana. Um, but to answer Bowman's question simply, 
I doubt we're going to get a ton of separation this game because of we've all talked about Paul being pretty old school about a starter's a starter and stays that way. But I mean, I tell you after the Simon Fraser game, I I didn't see like this big accuracy jump from Mike Beaudry that made me think, okay, well, this is why this is the guy we're rolling with. Yeah, and I I guess to wrap it up here, um, I don't think he he would necessarily ride a hot hand. I think he's pretty married to the, um, you know, it's a three-week competition, and rightfully so. I think we've all said our first three weeks of the season are predetermined, uh, four if you include the bye week. Um, So I think he, you know, just wants to get both these guys as many game reps as possible and let the chips fall where they may, and then ride with a guy after that, Um, you know. Does maybe you know? I think a lot of us are a lot of people are assuming CJ is going to be the one to take the reins around with it. You know, like Brian said, he's he's played against Southern Utah. He's played against Simon Fraser. Okay, Mike Beaudry has played the D one level, the FBS level for UConn, which <laughs> UConn FBS might not matter a whole lot right now. Uh, but he's played meaningful D one snaps, right? Um, FBS snaps. So. Um, we, you know, I, I would not be more than surprised to see this as a spot where maybe Beaudry feels more comfortable and CJ maybe tries to force things. And this is going to be the fastest competition he's ever played against, right? Like, like I don't think a lot of people understand, right? They always say speed. No, it cha- it changes a lot. You know, the the speed level when you get to power five changes a lot. Um, so I don't be surprised if CJ makes some mistakes. It's okay. It's what it's why these first three games were for. It's for guys to make mistakes um, to us for learn from them. And then the, the film is your resume. Uh, the film will not lie. And I think he's just pretty married to the, the, the first three weeks being that way. And that's what we just need to accept. And, you know, maybe unless it really shows itself and it's evident, right. Unless like one guy goes out there and just struggles like just so much, or we're just like a super close game. That's the only way you see it in my opinion. Um, but I think it's going to be pretty, you know, one guy's going to maybe struggle. One guy's going to struggle less. And it's just going to be like, all right, here we go. Let's, let's just see what happens. Um, so I, I that's, that's kind of where I have my feeling is, but I think it is an interesting spot going into this week um, with the quarterback situation. Chris, what are you pulling for a tap? Uh, for my tap, I'm going to pull kind of the reverse of what we, we all discussed last week when we were talking, okay, like to buck, what has to go wrong for Idaho and right for Simon Fisher for this upset to be possible? So, like, go in the glass half full approach. Give the people out there a little bit of like optimism for the ones that want it. Um, what has to go right for Idaho, and what has to go wrong for in- tragically wrong for Indiana uh, for this game to end up an actual money line Vandals win and not just a spread cover? Dallas. So there's a there's a lot of things that are going to have to happen. CJ is going to have to look like the kid that had a Louisville offer and could have honestly played G5. CJ is going to have to be the guy, I think. First drive, if I okay, if I picture this out, Idaho gets the first kickoff, CJ scores, we have a lead on Indiana and we we take it from there. CJ keeps the the reins the whole time and never looks back there. There's never even a discussion of putting Beaudry in because CJ's played that well. On the other hand, Phoenix has to look like he has never touched a football before. Uh, He has to go back out there, complete less than 50% of the passes. 
again, three interceptions, our secondary has to do that. We have to win the turnover battle by a considerable margin. Uh, and then the front seven has to find a way to compete with Big Ten offensive lines. Uh, I know Trey Walker is the, the best linebacker in this level of football, but we need every single member of those front seven to look like they belong in, in the Big Ten for, for at least one game. We all know the legendary status of that fans have, and I mean this uh, in a not-so-serious way, about Paul Petrino's second-half adjustments. And because of that, if Idaho's going to win this game, we got to score early. We need to build a lead that we can ride out, uh, probably but you know buttressed by some Indiana turnovers for sure. But if Idaho's going to win this game, I don't think it would be the Montana State-Wyoming format or the Eastern Washington-UNLV format where it can kind of just stay even for a while. I think Idaho would have to actually jump ahead and then in, that would create some pressure for Indiana where maybe they start making mistakes and our front seven puts them in third and long more than, more than you might guess and, and third and long enough that our secondary can still hang with it. But if Idaho doesn't jump ahead early, I don't, this isn't Wyoming of 2019 where Wyoming just doesn't pass the ball very much. Um, and that's part of what kept the score close as Wyoming matched up with us stylistically. We have to get ahead early. And that's again, co-signing with Dallas said we're not going to out, we're not going to get ahead early against this team pounding the ball a ton. We're going to have to throw and it's going to have to work. Um, what's going to have to go right. Um, Indiana's going to forget how to play the game of football. That's going to have to be pretty much the answer. They're going to have to, their whole team's going to have to have COVID and be completely fine. Right. Okay. That's, that's how we're, we're going to need uh we're going to need their backups to start playing a lot. Um, I mean, no, realistically, right. Turnovers. Um, anytime you can go positive in the turnover matchup, um, it, it, it can, it can make a huge difference, right? Like for example, West Virginia played Maryland. The only reason I'm talking about this. Yeah. I'm a, I work at West Virginia. So I watched the game. West Virginia lost by 30 to 24 and it was a one score game all the way till the very end. They had four turnovers. Maryland had zero. West Virginia turned the ball over. That's probably three or four more like times they score win that game handily. So if we can go plus three, I think if we want to be in this game, we need to be at least plus three in the turnover margin um, to be in it and competitive. Um, limit big plays from Indiana and get big plays our, on our own, right? We haven't. I don't think we've seen Idaho have a lot of big plays over the last couple of years. We did see that against Simon Fraser. That's bound to happen. Um, so I, we need to get we need to create big plays for ourselves. Let's get a little tricky on special teams. Don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I'd love to see us get a little tricky. Um, that's the time time you pull it out, right? If it's close, third quarter, you know, having the back pocket. Um, you know, what's going to have to go wrong for Indiana? They're going to have to come out and be completely looking ahead to Cincinnati. Like, like games like this can be in a weird, could be weird, weird spots for teams like Indiana. Um, they're probably already assuming they're going to get a win, right? So it depends on what kind of week practice they have. Um, if they, if they want it or not, or if they're already working on Cincinnati, cause they probably already are working on Cincinnati, right? So if their guys just don't take it serious, um, we've seen teams just fall out flat asleep at the wheel. Arkansas was to rice was down by 10 in the third quarter, one by 21. Um, but things like that can happen. So if we get up, get up early, we got to stay ahead 
and uh, we got to not shoot ourselves in the foot. So say it kindly. Yeah. Uh, for it to go right. One thing that we did uh, on Saturday, this past Saturday, like rarely happens for Idaho in recent years, very disciplined. I think we had two penalties or something like uh, one of our best outings in terms of like self-control we've had in a long time. You're going to have to have that. Uh, we've all hit on it. That front seven, Noah Ellis guy who appear seems to show up. Trey Walker stats deceiving. He didn't play any of the second half, uh, but Noah Ellis kind of took that step forward. If they can get after Penix, 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 whatever we're rolling with now. Now they're all thrown around in my head. Thanks for that, Dallas. Uh, but uh, if we can get to him, maybe cause a couple of those picks, a fumble, strip sack, something, Jordan drive. Like, I mean, I kind of said it on like the headline. If we can get like a weird 14, 17 point, almost like what we did to Montana in 2018, but like uh, Dalton needs a different kind of animal. Uh, he had that killer instinct coming in off the bench. Um, you get that kind of lead in this game, and then with that defense, like, do you think you see Phoenix just kind of almost doubt himself? Like, this is two weeks in a row that I'm struggling with this. And then you look at Idaho. If we can build that big lead early, uh, I mean, it, we rushed for what yards gained rushing 333 against Simon Fraser. Uh, in the Iowa rushed for 158. Like we have the ability to control the clock. Like Roshan Johnson looked like freaking Marshawn Lynch out there rocking that 24. Now I get it's different, right? Simon Frazier also like would just hit him and fall off of him. And that's not going to happen against Indiana and big 10 linebackers. But like you give it to him. You have that new change of pace with Elijah Cummings. Uh, we still have Nick Romano. Uh, Andre Carter got in and scored another touchdown. So like Andre Carter's back, not quite looking game shape. Um, but like, you know, like we have the running backs to maybe control the tempo enough to hold on to a large lead. Um, that's what's going to have to go right. We're going to have to get that lead early, really get Phoenix pushing because our front seven have just been all over him. And then just really hope our run game can look somewhat similar to how they did against Simon Frazier, which is a little bit harder when, you know, <laughs> Indiana's safety is probably going to weigh as much as Simon Fraser's D tackle. So it's going to be a little different, but um, I don't know. That, that's where that, that's where I think it's going to go right. Is if we can make Penix just really struggle for two weeks in a row and really put that self-doubt in. And then if like Indiana subs in Jack Tuttle, just like, well, we need to do something here. We might have a shot. I'm not well. Maybe I will. I will end that on a double tap because I think we're going to predictions after this. Unless Dallas, you had something. Uh, odds uh, for Idaho winning this game because obviously it's not zero, but uh, I'll give it like a ninety or sorry, like a ninety-two to eight chance, like an eight percent. I'll give it a little over five because like maybe Indiana's reeling in a trap game. But I'll, yeah, I'll give that. I'll give us an eight percent chance. What's yeah, that C- translate? CJ C- or Jordan Trey Walker eight. What's that translate to as a score prediction, Chris? Oh, we'll get to score predictions. Oh, just you're just asking for percent. Yeah, like what's the percentage that, that we can win? I'll stick with the Phoenix jokes. I'll say six point nine percent. Double down. Double down. Point six nine percent. Nobody wants to go with 11%, Bowman? 3.9%. That's what ESPN gives us, fun fact, according to FPI. So. Okay, perfect. Staying so, with the numbers. 
So we're all under 10% or no, whatever. Anyways, moving on. Score predictions for this game. I'm going to give us, I got to go last, last time. So I'll go first this time. I will start us off with a 35 to 18. Dallas. Oh boy. Uh, Indiana, obviously. 45 to 13. 45-17. and Idaho sneaks in the back door at the cover. <laughs> All right. That's our, our predictions. And around the bar brought to you by Hughes River Expeditions. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States, located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river of no return, the salmon river canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perth side meteor shower, camp on pristine beaches, run amazing white water, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs. Oh, and there's a bunch of history along the river's edge while you're fishing. Some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire United States. Uh, you just bring your clothes and let Hughes River handle the rest. Hughes River Expedition has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Uh, so I think Hughes River Expedition is giving us a 19.76% chance. Uh, to win win this weekend. Uh, watching the TV, a.k.a. Big Sky Pick'em. Let's go over the standings real quick because we are in a real knuckle-dragger, brawl-out, uh, close one here. Who would have guessed after week one? Uh, standings, Boatman, myself, and Dallas all at 8-3. and three. Screw you, Dixie State, you sons of guns. Thank you, Montana. Uh, and uh, Brian. Uh, we love Dixie State if you pick Sac State. Yeah, a fact. Uh and Brian, but oh, I don't even want to get in the sex state. Oh, great against Dixie. But Brian, nine and two. Congratulations. You started the first streak. You are the lead dog, which means you get a pick last. So you might get to maintain uh, your, you might get to make some bold ones, I guess. I don't know. We're just rolling with it. Um, ba, 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 ba. Oh, you filled it in. Perfect. Sorry. I was reading our picks for Indiana. I'm like, how are those here for picks? Um, Northern Arizona at the South Dakota Coyotes. I mean, the Coyotes held against Kansas. Okay, it's close, Kansas. Close, Kansas. Kansas. Kansas would finish sixth in this conference, Chris. I know, NAU is going to win. So, NAU, like, but sneaky close. Who's up next? Is it Dallas? There we go. Yeah, I'll go. Um I hate this. Yeah, I'm taking NAU as well. Oh, I'm go. Sorry, I, oh. I, I cheated. Oh, no. oh, yeah, Brian, you got to go last. Give me the Coyotes in the in the Dakota Dome, Battle of the Domes, South Dakota. Yeah, I'm going South Dakota. Keandre Woodsy went out early, going one for five for negative two yards. Jeff Widener looked a lot better because uh, he threw for more than negative two yards. But I've got no faith in NAU, so I'm going to go South Dakota. And if we were going off Sagarin ratings, Kansas would not be leading the big sky right now. Mm. Uh, all right. Uh, next up, we have, oh, heated in-state rivalry between 
believe they're the Wildcats of Ellensburg, Washington, and the Beagles of Cheney, Washington. Uh, Beagles big? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's zero way that Eastern loses this game. Eastern, big time. Yeah, nothing to add. Eastern wins. Uh, cool. We had to move on quick. UC Davis gets to travel down to the latest victims of Coward Pauly. Uh, dude, they just beat Tulsa. Like, I get, like, rivalry, possible trap game. Wait, I thought they are playing San Diego. You said Cal Pauly. Yeah, they, San Diego just lost to Coward Pauly. Oh, I'm not listening. Sorry. Yeah. I'm confused. Uh, I'm going UC Davis. Big, 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 like 68-0 big. Ooh. Couldn't agree more. Uh, you have, on one hand, you have UC Davis beating a – FBS team, which is enough for me to pick them this week. You have San Diego losing to Coward Poly, which would have been enough. You combine the two, and this is going to be an ugly bloodbath. You know, I just like to say, I like to say nicknames. The fact that the Aggies beat the Golden Hurricane, um, who went to the AAC championship game last year, very few people realize that, um, and took care of them that well. Now they're going to play the Toreros. Beautiful stadium, by the way, beautiful campus, but still give me the Aggies over the Toreros. Last time UC Davis and San Diego met was a couple of years ago, and if not for the awful instant replay facilities of San Diego, UC Davis probably would have lost. But uh, no, not, not happening this year. I am curious to see if uh, UC Davis can put up a, a few more points because uh, scoring 19 against Tulsa, no one's going to knock them. But we, we saw UC Davis not look that explosive in the spring, so don't know yet if that's a trend UC Davis wins. Like, how is Tulsa, Oklahoma, the girl, Golden Hurricanes? I'm sure there's actually a better story, like with some history, but like, no you hear clue. that. You're like, are there hurricanes it's, in Oklahoma? I don't, think, I don't think so. Maybe it's what they used to call the Dust Bowl. Northeastern Oklahoma, known for their hurricanes. Yeah, very well known for hurricanes. Uh, Northeast Oklahoma. Speaking of places well known for their uh, certain aspects of their um, area. Portland State heading to the home of Kuganet, Washington State, eight miles to the west. They cooked it. That was great. It, it almost makes you want to think they're going to cook it again. Nah. Rolovic making a, a just a TV documentary worth of goofs over there. Um, didn't Portland State beat Wazoo a couple of years ago? 2012. No, 2014. I'm, 2015. I'm whatever year win, it was. I'm trying to win this year, Wazoo. I'm tr- Ooh, trying to win wow. this year, Wazoo. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, old Chris would have taken that Portland State pick. Top three program, after all. So I want to quickly jump in. Apparently, Tulsa in the early 1920s were known as the Golden Tornadoes, which was also Georgia Tech's nickname. They had a vote to change it, and it was changed to Golden Hurricane, and then they just kept it Golden Hurricane. So. And the Georgia Tech became the. Yellow Jackets? Yeah, and they didn't <laughs> go back to Golden Tornadoes, Hurricane, and stuff. So, uh, with that said, Washington State. Uh, they are absolute trash, and I think they are on a dumpster fire rolling down a hill towards firing that coach in the middle of the season, but I don't see them losing to Portland. If they lose to Portland State, I think he gets fired after the game. They're, this program's in shambles. Um. We had what happened, like to, I like, what I like to call the trifecta in Idaho win, a Wazoo loss and a Boise State loss on the same weekend. Vandal fans, it happens rarely. I should make a tracker of when it happens because it's just pure. It's just It makes my heart warm inside, especially the way Boise State lost and Wazoo lost. Like, just Implosions. Beautiful. Oh, it's great. Anyway, uh, yeah, Wazoo big here. I think they get back on track. They do have a weird quarterback situation right now. It's not great. 
Also, be prepared for Cougar fans to be very pissed off. New COVID rules in the state of Washington. They have to show proof of vaccine and or negative COVID test in the last 72 hours. And Eastern Washington is not known for their COVID friendly um, measures. So that could create a little hostility in the fan in the fandom uh, top with Nick Rolovich's, um, you know, vaccine struggles. So, I mean, could Portland State win here? Maybe, but Hawaii is worse than Wazoo. So think of it like that. So I'm not going to call not being able to schedule a free uh, appointment a struggle exactly for Rolovich, but uh, to shift yeah. off that topic, um, I'm going to double down on Dallas's take of talking more about UC Davis. Hunter Rodriguez looked uh, had probably the second best stat line since being a starter at UC Davis when they scored 19 against Tulsa, meaning, yeah, WCU is going to win. Um, this is... I, I can't wait to walk, to watch Bruce Barnes' team get their ass kicked. I just I don't like Portland State. Um, I I mean they're they're a top five team in the Big Sky, of course, which is why right. I'm so touchy about Portland right. State. But no, WSU is going to win. It's not be close. Yeah, they do have all those great recruiting classes. Uh, it, dude, can Wazoo 2022 come soon enough on the Palouse? Just saying. Maybe that's our P5 win here in a couple of years. Um, Northern Colorado, who talk about a team that actually kind of like maybe raised some eyebrows around the conference uh, at Houston Baptist. I'm going to take the the clan of McCaffrey's. Ooh, that's a bad one. Uh, the, the herd of McCaffrey's to uh, beat the Huskies of the Houston Baptist-ness. Especially without Bailey Zappi, I think HBU is back to being probably bottom fifteen teams in the FCS. And Northern Colorado, maybe a little better than people thought. I'll take I'll take the Bears. Man, I think Chris and I are going to end up having the same picks this week. So far, this is uh, it's not looking good for either of us. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I hate this game. Uh, I think both of these teams are terrible. I'm going to take UNC and I'm going to regret it in five minutes. Um, man, this is tough. Uh, Houston Baptist slicing up and down the field pretty fast. Let me just go check one thing. Bear with me. Bear with me. Okay, 7 p.m. kick. It does get warm down there. God, they pl- they only lost to New Mexico by ten. So. Give me Noted the home team. Powerhouse New Mexico. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't think New Mexico is that bad. Um, give me the home team. Give me Houston Baptist. I just have to be different than you guys, I guess. It's fair. I just like how when anybody like takes away their video, it's a weird for people not watching. Well, now you missed it, but it's me drunk at the club hanging out with old <laughs> bartender Carly Bonander. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know why it's that, but that's what it is. Anyways, uh, Mr. Marceau, Bowman went with the Huskies. Yeah, I, I'm concerned about that because the Huskies looked all right against New Mexico State. Huskies in the spring. New Mexico. New Mexico The Lobos. The Lobos beat the Huskies. I apologize. It was, it was, that, was a, that was a verbal typo. Um, but uh, – I'm going to go with the Northern Colorado. The reason mm. I say this is Northern Colorado did look solid early against Colorado. And if this is going to work for Ed McCaffrey, he has to pick up wins mm-hmm. early because of how their schedule compounds. I'm going to say their transfers are going to come together 
to be more than just solid once they're not playing a team like Colorado that just is too physical for them. All right. Uh, moving on to Drake traveling to Montana State for Gold Rush in Bozeman. I know it was Jay-Z who said it, but I'm going to pretend it was Drake. He's got 99 problems, and Montana State is all of them. MSU, big, 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 big. They might just turn off the scoreboard big. Yeah, I think this game is going to be over by halftime. Montana State. Uh, yeah, give me the Bobcats home. Going to do- quintuple down, Bobcats win. But Vandal fans, we play Drake in the not-so-distant future. So it might be worth checking out the box score, if not, you know, a minute or two of the street. Yep. Uh, moving on to the other Montana. Uh, they've returned to dominance, in case you haven't heard, and they get to showcase that at home for a home opener against the Leathernecks of Western Illinois. Uh, on nickname alone, you want to pick the Leathernecks, but then on, uh, like, everything else, Montana, by, like, also a lot. Like, probably less of a lot than Montana State, but, like, close to a lot. Yeah, Montana a lot, the other guys a little. Uh, Grizz by a boatload. Ooh, classic. Hey. Hey, Hashtag yeah. boatload. Uh, Sagarin says Western Illinois is the second worst team in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, and my eyes said Montana looks all right, so yeah, Montana wins. Okay, moving on to possibly a closer one at the Missouri Valley Big Sky Challenge. You have Northern Iowa at Sac State. I, dude, Northern Iowa just Barely lost by what six points to number seven Iowa State. Sixteen ten. Like, yeah, six points to number seven Iowa State in the Big Twelve. Sac State like struggled with Dixie State. I mean, struggled relative to what they were supposed to do to Dixie State. Uh, Northern Iowa, and I will put this one twenty point win. Um, I'm not going to go that big, but I am going to take you and I. Man, I mean, this is tough. Like nineteen seven versus Dixie State, right? For SAC, this is a six p.m. local kick, so we'll still be a little warm there in Sacramento for a couple hours. Panthers struggle. God, I guess give me Northern Iowa. Yeah, it's good. I think it's going to be a close game, and the reason why is Sacramento State's defense is pretty solid. I don't think it's Northern Iowa solid, but Dixie State put up 213 total yards against Sac State. We talked in the preview about will Sac State be able to replace Kevin Thompson. We don't know, but their defense looks solid. They're in the midst of a quarterback competition, too. They're not going to get ironed out. Northern Iowa wins. All right. Coward, Pauly versus Fresno State at Fresno State. Uh, yeah, yeah, not even close. Bulldogs. Bloodbath. I love Bo Baldwin, but bloodbath fresno give me the team with the green v's on the back of their helmet for those of you who don't know that's fresno state it stands for the valley that they are in they represent the farmers there so fun fact that's what the v stands for bulldogs big yeah fresno state's gonna be cal poly like fresno state beat us a couple years ago correct i have nightmares actually that was kind of a quasi funny game for me kate and i laughed a lot anyway continue on not what people want to hear. Uh, Weaver State at Dixie State. <laughs> Different things, Chris. You, we had to entertain ourselves. It was not a fun time. So we didn't laugh at the game. It was situations. Watching anyway. highlights. Uh, Weaver State at Dixie State. Uh, I mean, Battle of the Beehive State again for Weaver. Apparently they like 
I don't know. Maybe that's they built that whole new athletic center because they don't pay for any travel anywhere. They were at Utah and at Dixie State, like getting paid for both those games. How does that even work? Uh, Weber, not even like I think Dixie might say frisky, like halftime be within the score, and then I think Weber just kind of like pulls away. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a blowout because I don't think Weber is capable of blowing really anybody out. But except Coward Bali, yeah, <laughs> it'll be dominant Weber. Um, yeah, I think Weber has it here. But Dixie's this is an interesting game to watch. I think um, for those of you who pay attention to the Big Sky, just because you know they play Sac State, Weber State, UC Davis, Montana, um, in terms of Big Sky play, and play some Missouri Valley teams. So good barometers, I think, um, for us moving forward. Uh, pay attention to the Missouri Valley and the Big Sky. Last up, uh, those. So you're you're just oh, expecting yeah. I picked Weaver. Well, you're correct. <laughs> I, I picked Weaver. Um, I actually think <laughs> if if this is a close game, it's because it's incredibly boring because Weaver just couldn't score enough. But I don't. This this might be like a fourteen seven game that feels like a four hundred fourteen seven game. Yeah. True. Uh our new hated rivals down in Pocatello are traveling to our old hated rivals in La, not Las Vegas, Reno, Nevada, Reno. Uh, Nevada has like a day one possible quarterback in the NFL draft. Idaho State has like the third best quarterback in the big sky. It's pretty easy there, Nevada. Yeah, this is probably, if I had to pick a biggest blowout of the week, this is probably where I'd put my money. Yeah, Nevada just beat Cal, which, I mean, I don't think people realize Cal actually has a fantastic defense in the Pac-12 and has for years. Um, and Nevada faced some adversity leading up to that game. Just keep an eye on Nevada for if those of you who like West Coast football. Uh, Nevada is a fun team to watch. Carson Strong is his name, uh, the quarterback, and they're going to kill the Bengals. Like, Idaho State beat them a couple years ago. Do not expect expect that again. Yeah, Idaho State's going to lose, picking Nevada. I, I do think this is a game where uh, we need to see Tyler Vanderbilt look a little better than one touchdown, three picks, like mm-hmm. he did against North Dakota. Um, I'm not saying that Tyler Vanderbilt in the spring was fool's gold, but both him and Justin Miller have but each had three-pick games this uh, th- this fall season. So uh, fingers crossed we have a rebound for our uh, friends down in Pocatello, but they're not going to win. Yep. All right, that's it. That is uh, watching the TV. It is time for closing the bar. Uh, thank you guys for all tuning in. You know we appreciate it. Make sure you check out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash stuff at the club. Love you guys. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll be at Indiana. So if you don't follow us on like Instagram, Twitter, etc., I'll probably be posting some game day experiences there from Bloomington. Um, gonna, I don't know, play with some stuff, working on a media credential. I don't know what it'll look like. But good time to follow us anyways if you don't already but we appreciate you guys tuning in and uh we'll see you guys in the next one go vandals go vandals go vandals so raise your glass and have a drink with me here's to the vandals and the craft i'll just out there living the drink part of one and only moscow drinking tea